Welcome, welcome everybody to our final episode of Downton Gabby Season 5. We've got our drinks poured and we are ready to talk about this action-packed, sentimental, and surprising finale. I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. I'm Brandi Sperry in Los Angeles. And I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. So probably our biggest surprise uh, of the whole episode is that not one, but two things happened that might be making Edith happy. It's shocking, and it's terrible that the first thing I felt was nervous. I, I mean, there could have been like that one moment where Edith's out on the shooting range, and she's like, I feel very happy today. A gun could have gone off and shot her in the face right then, like, and I wouldn't have been that surprised. When she had that like little salsa dancer dress with the little flower, you know, she was like, oh, are you staying for dinner? And I was like, are you going to go salsa dancing? Because I like this, Edith. <laughs> And and when when Robert came to talk to her and she had her hair down and it looked so pretty and kind of sexy, sexy for a talk with her father. Yeah, so. I know. Okay, not appropriate, uh-huh. but but she looked God. really good. I mean, I was just like, wow, they're actually letting her look pretty. Like Laura Carmichael looks pretty. Exactly. And she, and she had that beautiful green dress and then the gorgeous red dress again gorgeous. on Christmas. Gorgeous. So. I really hope next season we get to see her fall in love again. Well, look, there's that estate manager, and my theory is that anybody who's willing to have a full conversation with Edith is going to become her next love interest. <laughs> and she really likes working men. She does. Yes, she does. That's true. And you know what else? Now that Tom's leaving, Downton needs a new estate agent. Coincidence? Mm-hmm. But do you, well, I mean, they accepted Tom into their life. I was going to say, would they accept her marrying hired help? No, but he's, but he's like the third cousin of the Earl of what's-his-name. So he's, he's of good the enough. same. Yeah, he's good enough. <laughs> I mean, he is aristocracy. He just got born in the wrong, you know, order. That's all. That would be on Edith's coat of arms. Good enough. <laughs> I'll take it. The Lord and Lady, good enough. But it was really nice to see Tom, Cora, and Lord Grantham all just accept her and love her and be really sweet to her about the Marigold situation and finally honoring that she did love Gregson and he is dead. It was really nice. I mean, I don't know how long it'll be until it's, you know, all the servants and Mary figure it out, but I don't know if it's going to matter. I don't really see how it matters. I don't I don't really think that Mary would even affect things. I'm I'm not sure what the point of keeping it from her at this point is. The only thing I could think of is if she likes this new guy next year and he doesn't know about Marigold and Mary tells him before she's ready to tell, you know, before Edith's ready to tell him. But oh, just to uh, be a little cares? bitch. Yeah, just to be a little bitch face. She's thinking all the way back to, she's like, 12 years ago when you wrote to the Turkish ambassador. Right, exactly. Did you guys see Welcome to the Dollhouse? It was a very wise thing they yes. talk about. In junior high, they tease I you. I once took a first date to see Welcome to the Dollhouse. That didn't go that didn't, great. <laughs> that didn't go really well. But like, in junior high, the mean girls, they tease you. But in high school, what they do is ignore you. And I think that Mary and Edith are, are in the high school stage of their relationship where Mary just just ignores her, basically. 
And I know Tom was nice to Edith, and he did say, like, oh, we're allies or whatever. But he's also kind of just smiled when Mary has said some really bitchy stuff in front of a crowd over the course of the season. And especially on this episode when she was like, oh, I'm just worried about getting stuck with you. I really wanted somebody to be like, hey, chill out. Like, just once can somebody tell her to chill out. Violet. Violet has told Mary. Right. Yeah. But not, like, in front of people. No. More like... To the side, like, hey, simmer down. But. Right. But I do think this new Mr. Yum Yum, this official name in my book, I think he's going to be the one to check her. Because she has met her match. As I did like that Tom and Lorenzo said, you know, he's a little too much like the male version of Mary, but she's one of those women who would love to marry herself. <laughs> she, was, she was, like, practically throwing herself at him. Like, when she said, maybe I'll see you sometime. I mean, for Mary, that's basically, like, throwing herself at a guy's feet. It was slightly <laughs> pathetic. It really was. Yeah. Was it, it wasn't just me. I mean, I was like, Mary, have some dignity. Yeah, she was the only one out there saying goodbye to them. She didn't even, like, have her coat on or whatever. I was like, wow, you, like, ran out the door to see Mr. Sex in a race car off. Like, <laughs> uh, his name is Mr. Yum Yum. Okay. Right. So. <laughs> so I just have to say, you guys, that I have been in love with Matthew Good for years and years. He's in The Good Wife, the show I keep telling you all to see. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was in, he was just in the imitation game, although he didn't have a very sexy part there. But anyway, and apparently, according to Mike Schultz, one of our Twitter friends, he also plays the smartest superhero in the world, Osmandius in The Watchmen. He can do anything. Mm-mm. I feel like he's really gone to the top of my crush list. I mean, which used to be occupied by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, James McAvoy, back in the day, Michael Varton from Alias. But I just feel like he's at the top of my list now. He's amazing. He can, he can do American. He can do British. There's nothing he can't do. He could do me too. Just <laughs> left yourself open for that one. <laughs> I definitely hope we're going to see more of him next season. I totally. So. And it is nice to see Mary's charms not work completely on someone. I, I don't know if she's going to win him over. He seemed very cool and aloof and take, or take it or leave it. Not like Tony, who was, you know, too much all the time. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if it works out between them. But I, I don't think know. We'll see I think he, I think he was pretty interested. He was doing the whole like, so your husband is uh, mm-hmm. one of these totally, other guys. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what's the thing with him being like a race car driver or something? Is that supposed to be some like foreshadowing or something? Right, because she didn't actually get a chance to tell him that her husband died in a car accident, that she was, like, cut off before she said that. So it seemed to take on a significance when he revealed that he was into cars. I mean, it could. It could just be, what's a sexy hobby for a guy in 1924? I mean, he can't be in a rock band. Jumping into cars. Yeah, he can't, like, be a great chef. Or something. So it's like this is what he's got. He can't have tattoos. He can't have anything cool really. Except dressing well and writing. You know being a good shot and shooting things. Which I don't think is that hot. Or having cool cars. So cool cars wins. I really did love the whole setting up at uh, Lord Sindabee's. Their house that they were. Were they renting or they own it now? Yeah. 
No, I think that was a, it was like a, a rental. friend's house they were using. Yeah. Well, they had great sets, great locations. I loved them being on the train. Very sumptuous. This whole season has been very sumptuous, and this episode especially was wonderful. But then we had the big drama with Butler Stowe. Well, Lord Cinderby, I mean, it's a, apparently it's a faux pas to bring your own butler along when you rent someone else's house and staff. And this guy was ready to make his presence known. And, wow, he was just really terrible, wasn't he? I think this is the first time we've seen someone call on Thomas's strength of being a sociopath. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, Thomas is good at conniving and figuring out what people's weaknesses are and manipulating them. Let's call on him. Like, we've never seen that as... A strength. <laughs> so that right. was interesting. But then, like, as soon as those floodgates were opened, it only took one little thing to set off, like, full evil. I mean, he was ready to, like, implode the Cinderby's marriage because Lord Cinderby called him a fool. Uh-huh. Right. Come on, exactly. Thomas. Yeah. Thomas was a little out of control. Although I have to say I love that Mary, like, deployed the, the secret weapon. But I do love overall that this episode, what the real secret weapon was, well, two things, Denker's broth and <laughs> Mosley solving the case, finding the pub. And that's really crazy. That it was really the smartest all about, people in this episode. It was really all about the hidden talents of various servants. Well, at one point I did do a butler power rankings in the beginning of the episode because I feel like it was very butler focused. I mean, Sprat number one, Avi. Two, Stowe, before everything imploded. Three, Carson. Four, Thomas. Also, he's an underbutler, so I don't know how much he counts, but... <laughs> Is that why he gets number four? Because I, I wouldn't have put him so far down the list. I mean, he engineered this, like, epic uh, Lord Sindaby shaming episode. Right. Well, this was also early in the episode, so I'd say probably by the end of the episode. Well, it'd probably be Mosley, number one. Um, <laughs> right. He wants to be a butler. Ex butler. He used to be a butler. Yeah. Uh, two Carson for the big proposal. Three Thomas. Four Sprat. Five Stowe. And let's talk about that proposal, shall we? I can't. Like, I thought you'd never ask. What? Where did that come from? She's like annoyed at him all season. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, everybody was really excited on Twitter and I know like I want to be excited because I want to love love, but I just feel like this whole season she's been so annoyed with him and I just feel like she'd be totally uncomfortable depending on a man for her retirement and not having any of her own independent income. That's not the Mrs. Hughes we know. Yeah, this storyline stripped her of her uh, self-sufficiency, and I did not like that. And come on, Julian, like, you're trying to convince us these two have been secretly in love for years. You couldn't even write the scene so that it would seem right for them to kiss. Right. I mean, they just kind of looked at each other, and then we cut away. It was like, ugh. Yeah, the scenes were more smoldering with Violet and the Prince. Oh, Yeah. Well, yeah, but look at the prince. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, yeah. I mean, I I totally understand when uh, Princess Karagan shows up and she's all pissed because you know what? You just found your husband at his ex-girlfriend's house, okay? Like, I'd be pissed too. 
<laughs> All right, but just getting back to Hughes and Carson. <laughs> yes. If sorry, anybody, if anybody is following our Twitter feeds from the East Coast to the West Coast, we're like so totally schizophrenic on this one because <laughs> I was sitting with my two friends. Carly and Rebecca, and we're all watching together, shouting out tweet things. And we were all like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. We were excited. But I have to say I was really pissed off because in the first season, they talk about Mrs. Hughes' sister who lives in St. Anne's. And we hear about her right off the bat. And now suddenly, oh, I didn't know you had any family. I mean, come on. Well, it's also like you want to get married and you don't even know about her family. Like you don't even know each other. I just don't understand why this couple is going through getting married and Isabel and Dickie aren't getting married. Yes, like, exactly. Uh, is, wait, exactly. is Julian Fellows married? Can someone yes, just like yes. Google this right now? Yeah, he's married. He's married. He's married. Okay, but we don't know if he's happily married. Well, okay. <laughs> because I don't think he knows shit about marriage. I, I obviously know I'm not married. <laughs> I'm practically married. Let's, so it's like, I mean, you know, the the best marriage on TV is Leslie and Ben on Parks and Recreation, okay? Right, so just totally. use that as your guide to a good marriage. But I was really pissed off that we get Carson and Hughes kind of out of nowhere and Isabel and Dickie are like kaput. And... Judging by what um, Julian has been saying about that relationship, he seems to think it's a good idea that they're not getting married. Ugh. So Dickie can live out the rest of his years listening to his idiotic sons bitch at each other and, what, like, rattling around his cold old home pining over Isabel? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, this is what, this is what doesn't make sense. Not everybody likes their family, okay? Lord Merton hated his wife, and pretty much hates his son. So for her to say, I don't want to stand the way between you and your son, who he doesn't even like, he would gladly never speak to them again. You know, and it's like, it's like she doesn't even get what family and marriage is. It's like, you can create your own little family and not have to see them very much. But it's like, I just felt like it was so cruel to leave him out in the cold with these horrible family members he doesn't even want to be a part of. Totally cruel. And... Totally annoying that Isabel seems to be as stupid as her son Matthew when making decisions like this. Because all I could think of was when Matthew was inheriting all of Lavinia's father's money. And he's like, no, I feel bad. I really don't think I should take it. And it was like, but you could save Downton from ruin if you take that money. I know, but I just feel like in my heart I wouldn't feel right about it. That whole bullshit scenario Ugh, is being... Was the worst. It was the worst. And it's now being played out with Isabel. Like... Oh, I just can't spend the rest of my life with your boys being rude to me and you. And I'd rather be alone and rather have you alone than deal with those idiots. But who are they going to talk about goiters with? I mean, this is the foundation of love. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, I can't stop yeah. laughing. When Violet is like, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Clarkson will be delighted or whatever. Yeah, that was really too soon, uh, I think. So that's where we're going to get our goiter talk next season. Okay, well, that's all I want for season six, okay? <laughs> Isabel is not ready to hear the words Dr. Clarkson just yet. Uh, yeah, the look on her face was incredible. But it's pretty amazing that she has two love interests in this season. And, you know, I tweeted last night and got some action on the tweet. And I really feel this, like, 
any women that are in their 30s and 40s who are really feeling like, why am I still single, blah, 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 this is a great season to watch because it does show you that love can come at any age. And I thought that was pretty empowering. Although, it was, well, okay, a lot of these storylines didn't end well, but the fact that they happened, I guess. This is like one of my most hated films in the whole wide world, Love Actually, where <laughs> there are all these love stories and all the guys get happy endings and all the young women get happy endings. And then all the slightly older women get the most awful, awful endings. Mm -hmm. Like, no, yeah. you cannot be happy. I am sorry. <sighs> I'm incensed. Can you tell? I'm, I'm upset. I'm going to have some more wine. Calm down a little bit. <laughs> it's good medicine. It's good medicine. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It was great to have, you know, Isabel has two love interests. Violet had a love interest. Cora had a love interest. And they all ended in shame or negativity in some way, you know? And so it is... It's not empowering how they ended, but it was empowering that they started. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it happened. And I liked listening to, loved listening to Violet telling Isabel the whole story of what happened in Russia. I mean, what an amazing scene with the two of them sneaking into the room, shutting oh, the door. So that was a wonderful scene. I'm so glad we got that. That's the best part of the season is their friendship. Hands down. But I, I did remember that before the season started, there was a little snippet review in Entertainment Weekly, and it said, this season, we see unprecedented female empowerment on Downton Abbey. And I have to agree. I feel like we saw a lot of female empowerment in a lot of different ways. And I was pretty impressed with this season on a lot of ways. Of course, you know, Julian, you can't expect the, the, all the storylines to end well, but at least parts of them you like. Except for Anna. Oh, God. Well, I'm trying to ignore it. <laughs> I'm just like, could we just ignore it? Maybe it'll go away. Oh, I just like, what? And then she had to have been abused as a child? <laughs> this was like, okay, so Bates' plan is really ridiculous because he's confessing to a crime that the police have already determined he couldn't possibly have committed. But yet, then somehow that works. And then somehow further exonerating him Whitney Hardy had been exonerated by going to the pub or whatever works again and now neither of them is a suspect anymore I mean I just the police work storylines Julian I don't know why you want to write for a procedural but you need to stop this you need to stop this now Everything that Bates did in that episode was just as grandstanding. I mean, it had nothing to do with the storyline at all, except that it got Mosley and Baxter looking through every single pub in York, which was kind of awesome. 60 pubs is a lot. Can we just, okay, like, I can go to a lot of bars in a day, but 60 is a lot. I don't know. I felt like Lord Grantham should have cut them a check for their time or something. I think, I think he should have shown them the money. But, you know, they were looking through the pubs as long as Lord Grantham was, like, abstaining from <laughs> spicy food and alcohol. It's a long time. I, I just want to take credit for predicting that Lord Grantham was going to have either an yes. ulcer or a heart attack based on all of the people he has had to kick <laughs> out of his house in a fit of rage. <laughs> I think that if you would open him up, that ulcer would look just like Miss Bunting. Oh my, yes. Annie's so stressed about Tom and Sibby leaving, too. I know. But we did get treated to him being drunk as a skunk, which was pretty oh hilarious. My God, that was actually really, really funny. One of our followers, Hillary, 
posted on our Facebook a close-up picture of that Christmas tree that they're really like Target Christmas lights on it. I don't know. What happened to the guy that is like their on-set historian? I don't know if you guys have also watched the like PBS special they did about that guy where he's like eagerly explains. He basically is Carson but living now and he like shows how you how they measure the plates and they interview the actors and they're like, yeah, he makes us carry the tray the right way and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Where was that guy when they brought in the plastic? Okay, but remember that they also had the, they also had the plastic water bottle in their promotional photos. So uh, there's a loose chink in the chain here on set, okay? But it was really nice having this moment of remembering Sybil. That was nice. It was really nice. I, I did wish that Cora was there. I feel like we had such a great season of Cora in the last couple episodes. It's been back to simpering Cora, who has no purpose and nobody invites her to anything. And, you know, after Sybil died, she was so upset. And I think she felt it more than Lord Grantham overtly, you know, through the acting on the show. And so I kind of wished it was her that was there because I would like to see her have more of a lasting place in the family. And the last two episodes, just she was back to same old annoying Cora that doesn't have anything to do. Yeah, I think she had her moment in the sun and then, you know, Lord Grantham kind of had to catch up. And that's why it's been more focused on him the last couple of episodes. But also, I mean, the women couldn't even shoot a gun in this one, so... Ugh. Okay, you guys, I did a little research on the whole, like, chumming thing, which just seemed incredibly boring to me, standing in the back and just saying witty things every once in a while. So it was the worst. So I did a little research, and apparently, even today, women aren't that welcome at these shooting parties unless they're absolutely expert shots. And they're basically, their jobs are um, beating the bushes to get the birds in the air, handling the dogs, or just making itself scarce and going somewhere else, like shopping. It like reminded me of when you're first hanging out with boys in junior high and you end up having to like watch them play a video game. Oh my god, totally. Like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is fun. Uh, That's your first foray into realizing that girls are more fun to hang out with always. Yeah. It does give them an excuse to put on these very, very handsome tweed outfits though. Yeah, I did enjoy the outfits. I mean, this whole season has been just opulent in the visuals. Oh, yeah. It was beautifully shot out on the moors, and, I mean, all of those scenes were gorgeous and in the rain, and, I mean, beautiful, beautiful cinematography. Guys, I just don't really know who's going to be on next season. What is going to happen next season? Yeah, because now it seems like Atticus and Rose are moving to New York. Tom's definitely going off to Boston. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess we got a couple guys who might be new characters next season, but I just worry that if the cast constricts too much, it's going to end up being the same storylines over and over of, again of just, like, who are Mary and Edith going to marry? I also feel like there could have been some bigger storylines going on downstairs, and they kind of got short shrift this season. So if some of the upstairs people do sail away, I hope that that means that we can, you know, get something interesting going on downstairs. Well, there was that interview with the actress that plays Daisy on Vulture where she said that weird thing that the servants are all doing some type of dance number. I don't know. It's really weird. 
they're, they're asking her if there are any hints about Daisy next season, and she says, and I'm quoting, at the moment we've been doing loads of dancing. The servants have to do this dance, and we're just in the background. It's so weird. Maybe, you guys, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's for the entry into Hughes and Carson's wedding. You know, sometimes wedding parties do a whole dance oh my God. on the aisle. <laughs> Oh my god. I can only hope. <laughs> They've got some Taylor Swift on the gramophone. <laughs> well, she says also that she's still very much on the path of education in a way and still being very, very feisty. So that that's good. That's good to hear. We also so. don't know if next season is the last season. I mean... I thought I had read that it officially was, but then I read something else that just officially said only Maggie Smith has said she won't do more than one more season. And to me, I'm like, well, that seems like a good enough reason to kind of wrap it up anyway. I mean, this is pretty long running for this kind of British show anyway. And I don't know how much further you can get into the 20s before it's it, before you've told all the stories that you really have to tell about this kind of family. Right. Before you get into World War Two times and it's going to get kind of depressing. Well, yeah. And I mean, actually, the mid 30s. Um, brings like the whole rise of of Nazi sympathizers to right. England and that's a big 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 storyline and I'm still holding up for for Edith on that one <laughs> but um if they did a more significant jump in time and started exploring that stuff I think it would be really interesting it's funny how the first three seasons kind of covered like a decade and now it's only been a couple years in the last two so I don't feel like I don't feel like that's where the show's going I don't feel like Julian's interested in jumping that far forward but I certainly would watch it if they, you know, you could recast the kids as older. Julian had said it was the last season, but now apparently the show is owned by NBC. There was some kind of business deal that happened, and Julian doesn't own the show. Like, it was bought from Carnival. And so now he's basically like, uh, it's really not up to me anymore, and <laughs> so we'll see what happens. And I think that's what's changed. That, you know, if NBC thinks that they could milk this thing for two more seasons, they will. I don't even know what to look forward to, to be honest. I think there's just a bunch of, like, loose love stories, basically. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what else. I mean, unless you're going to kill someone off again or... Right. I well, I don't know. It would have been so interesting to see Isabel as Lady Merton. I mean, well, I just, I just can't get over it. Maybe we will. I mean, maybe next next season we'll start and they've worked everything out and gotten married anyway. I mean, who knows? That would be nice because I don't want to go through this Mishigas again with her and Dickie. And I don't want to do some, like, stupid dual wedding with, like, Edith and Mary, like, in a sense of sensibility. I'm just going <laughs> to shoot right. myself. As if Mary would ever allow that. You're right. That'll never happen. One thing I'm actually interested in is Mary becoming a business person. I know, Shannon, you mentioned this, but like Tom says to her, you know, you should take over my job. You can run this whole estate. And it would be nice to see her doing something like that. Well, she leaned in last season. Mm -hmm. And then it's yeah. like she's fucking boy crazy, like a 15-year-old girl this season. She completely forgot that she knew how to run a business. Remember when she walked into that meeting she was wearing that purple power suit, and she was like, something about sheep, and it was really strong. And it's like, what? I mean, this is the problem with Julian Fellows. It's like, okay, well, what happened to that Mary? And now she's just, like, chasing dick all around town. Like, no, she probably still wants to be in control of the business. 
I think seeing both her and Edith embrace their business opportunities in front of them would be a great focus for next season. And, totally. and Daisy, I would love to see Daisy move on to the next step in her life. Which you I mean, said many times could be starting her own jam business. I'm looking forward <laughs> to Daisy's jam business. Absolutely. She could really okay. kill it at a Bay Area farmer's market. She and <laughs> Olivia Pope will make jam together. Oh, God. If we get that time machine that we want and we're bringing Alicia Florick in, then we're bringing Olivia Pope, too. <laughs> I think we should move on to one of the more exciting things we're going to talk about tonight, which is Brandy's fan fiction. Oh, yes. That's true. We've already previewed it and fucking love it. So I ended up picking um, the idea of Mary and Anna having moved to the United States after World War II. And I, I twisted it a little bit from what was proposed, that they wouldn't have any money. <laughs> because what fun is that? We like seeing rich people. Um, <laughs> and I'm just going to read a, a couple paragraphs from the middle of it that let everybody know what happened to everyone else. And then the story of Mary and Anna will be posted on our Tumblr for you to read at your leisure. Okay. The war, World War II, the Second Great War, whatever one wanted to call it, had changed life for the Crawley family and those around them like nothing else ever had. Of course, this was true for most people. And yet Mary marveled at how through that process, some things had stayed eerily the same. She had watched Sibby nurse the wounded, always strong, determined, and kind like her mother before her, and seen Marigold, Marigold follow in Edith's footsteps by reporting from as far toward the front line as anyone would let her. I love and it! <laughs> <laughs> and she thanked God every day that George had made it back from the front. He looked and acted just like his father, and she had no intention of not finding out what Matthew Crawley would have been like well into his adulthood had he had the chance to live it. Her granny had lived to 102, and she intended to do the same. But now she found herself far from home, where she'd left her parents cozily ensconced in her grandmother's old house, the abbey closed up for now, but perhaps ready to house another family if George ever got tired of traveling and wanted to settle down. Here she was, in America like Tom before her, who still teased her about cowboys in Hollywood. Having never remarried, though the offers did keep coming for years, she was fond of pointing out, and there was a widower or two around Wall Street she was sure had an eye on her even still. And having learned so much about business back home, it made sense for her to be the one to help the Levinson side of the family's fortunes creep back following that nasty business of the Great Depression. Almost ten years she lived in New York City now, but only recently with Anna's arrival had she admitted that this was really her home. All she knew of London life she learned in the papers or from letters from her sister, and it still made her chuckle a bit each time she realized that a note from Edith was such a welcome sight. Bravo. To be continued. That's... <laughs> So great. Honestly, you have to read the whole thing because there is a twist that has not been revealed in this reading. Yeah. And it's so great. And I just, I want to watch that show, Brandy. You know Julian better than he knows himself. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I think next year we'll definitely do the spin-off series competition again because this is a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So this will be posted in full on our Tumblr. And I, I had a couple ideas for the detective story with Lord Grantham that was the other idea we liked so much. So maybe uh, we'll have that posted sometime during the off season as a special bonus treat. 
Well, that's awesome. And one thing some people have been tweeting at us, like, what are you guys going to do in the off season? What show are you going to cover? You know, I guess we want to know what people are interested in. One thing we thought of is maybe doing like a quarterly kind of mashup of all the different things that we're watching. Yeah, like a monthly giant fabulous thing. Or we're interested in following another show more closely. So I think tweet us your ideas about what you would like to hear from your favorite damsels in the off season and we will come up with something. And to wrap it up, let's do our one fabulous thing. So last week I was in New York and while I was there we saw Slater Kinney play and they were of course amazing. That's not even my one fabulous thing because that was just a given. I want to give a shout out to their opener who I had I was not cool enough to have heard of her before although she's been doing her stuff for a couple years um it was a hip-hop artist Lizzo and she was phenomenal it was just one of those things where the vibe in the room was everyone kind of realizing that you were watching somebody who's really gonna be somebody like it was fun and smart she just commanded the stage that everybody was dancing like oh she was like, look, her, her album Lizzo Bangers is on Spotify. Listen to it. Throw her some real money if you like it, which I think you will because she was ridiculously, crazily good. And I was very satisfied because, you know, opening acts can be a crapshoot. Yeah. She was, she was a very, very pleasant surprise. Awesome. I'm going to download it tomorrow because I need some new dance music to get me to work in the morning. Um, two of my favorite shows are about to start. So um, Mad Men, which is... Very close to my heart, and I will be sobbing at the finale. Um, and then Game of Thrones. And I think I'm going to plug Game of Thrones because I'm actually re-watching season one right now. And it is such a fucking phenomenal show. And it has so many strong women. And I just feel like we don't talk enough about what a badass Cersei is. But watching season one, she's been a badass since the beginning. And I just don't feel like there's a lot of female characters written that are like her that are... Yes, wounded, and yes, maybe not totally in control of their entire story, but are extremely empowered, especially sexually, which I think is interesting, and are fierce, fierce mamas. And I just, I'm always impressed with that show, and I think it's the most surprising TV show on uh, right now. So I'm totally pumped for Game of Thrones to start up back again. So if you haven't watched it, take some time, catch up, get ready, because you won't be disappointed. Okay, so I have two fabulous things. The first one is I am still watching Nashville, and I am still loving it. And I love that they've brought Laura Benanti onto the cast, who is a very big deal Broadway star, uh, who has an amazing voice, and just showed up on The Good Wife also. In a oh, my God. Role. You're like six degrees from The Good Wife. Yeah, always. I know. i got to stop. But no, I'm really still, I'm still enjoying Nashville a lot. So my other fabulous thing is a book that I've just finished reading called Smoke It's In Your Eyes and Other Tales from the Crematory, which is <laughs> really a, ending on an upper. <laughs> I, no, no, it's, it's really, it's a great, great book. Uh, it's by Caitlin Dowdy. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. And I heard her interviewed on the radio, and she is a fairly young woman who is a uh, mortician, and um she really believes that we should be talking more about death and dying, that we've hidden it away, uh, and therefore we can't really deal with it properly. And she wrote a book about her um, experiences working in 
uh, a mortuary or funeral home from when she got right out of college and all of her experiences there. And she does go into a lot of detail, but her writing style is just really winning and really entertaining and also really moving. And it really makes you think about how we deal with our loved ones um, when they die. Um, it's a great book, and she sounds really cool. And she's an activist for new ways to deal with uh, death and dying, and I think she's great. So the book is called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, and uh, it's Caitlin Dowdy. Well, that sounds pretty interesting, actually. I mean, I, I do think we don't deal with death very well in our culture, and I, I think I read that book. So at first I was a little skeptical. <laughs> you were convinced. But now I'm convinced. I think... I think I might read it. I need a new book. So. It's very, very readable, and she's a very entertaining writer and uh, and a very interesting person. Awesome. Well, and of course, during the off-season, we will be compiling a list of our One Fabulous Things based on popular demand, and I think it'll be pretty fun. I'm excited about it. Thank you very much for uh, being with us for this amazing season five of Downton Abbey. It has been our great pleasure talking to you about the show, tweeting with you every Sunday night, and generally being uh, feminist and funny and foul-mouthed right along with all of you. So uh, you can find us at Downton Gabby on Twitter. You can find us at downtongabby.tumblr.com, and you can find us on Facebook at, yes, Downton Gabby. And we're going to continue posting and dishing about this show, even though the season is over. Look out for our jumbo uh, One Fabulous Thing roundup. And thanks a lot for playing along. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We're no stranger.